Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast, welcome back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for listening to this H for Hustle Podcast. Thank you so much for joining the H for Hustle journey. Um, We're consistently growing and I love it. So thank you guys for supporting. Make sure you guys go over to youtube.com, type in H F O R Hustle, H for Hustle. Um, you'll see the logo pop up. Go there, subscribe. Uh, we're trying to grow our subscriber account, and also make sure you watch some of those videos that I have up there. Um, that's the new venture in growing this H for Hustle medium. Um, and I definitely would appreciate if you guys go over to YouTube and just type in H for Hustle. I will also leave a link in the description. Go over there and um, you know subscribe to us. Throw some likes on there. Throw some comments. I would really appreciate that. And on today's episode, I we bring on small business attorney John Thielen. So some of the best advice I've ever received very early on was make sure you have a good attorney. And I wanted to bring John on just to go over some basic questions that most people should be asking when they when they start their business and the, the seven questions they should be asking their attorneys. So this episode is a very, very short um, interview with John on the very basics and the seven questions you should be asking your attorney um, before you start your business. And I know a lot of the audience can't afford an attorney right now. That's why I was able to bring John on and ask those got those questions for you so you guys can be informed before you go fully on in and you know start your business or turn that side hustle into a full-blown corporation. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into John's interview right now boom 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 sure um size of the business it's generally smaller so we work with a lot of startups um you know owners who are entrepreneurs just starting out and and need help forming their business and we'll do the the business formation for them um but we also have some more more established small medium-sized businesses who have been operating for you know five ten years have several employees several owners um, you know, and, and really need ongoing legal support. So we're able to support them in that capacity by, by kind of acting as outside general counsel for, for those businesses. So, um, but, but overall, definitely in the, you know, small, medium-sized businesses um, that we, we tend to focus on. So, you know, some people would say, I don't need a lawyer to form my company. I could just go to like LegalZoom or Rocket Lawyer yeah. or whatever the, those websites are. What would you say to the stuff like that? Yeah, you know, um, they those sites can be okay in um, in some instances, but honestly, going to a, a small business lawyer like myself, you're really not going to be paying much more, if at all, for the for the actual service. And what you're getting is obviously um, you're you're getting the person, you're getting the actual attorney. So those services tend to turn out boilerplate um, agreements and um, don't take an in-depth look at, at your business and don't think about the long term. Whereas if you just go to a small business attorney like myself. You're going to get that one-on-one interaction. You're going to get that relationship. 
Um, and and I'll, hopefully I'll be able to see some things that, that you know, a site like LegalZoom is not going to be able to see. Got it. So, you know, there's always like been this thing, you go online and everyone tells you you need to get an LLC in, in Delaware or Wyoming in a tax-free state. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Nevada. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what is the type of business structure should somebody choose? Should they choose an LLC, a C-Corp, an S-Corp? Like what's the differences and how should they choose what, what's best for them? Yeah, it's a really good question. So typically the most the most popular business structures are limited liability companies, so LLC, um, for-profit corporations, and, and non-profit corporations. So um, the most popular choice for entrepreneurs for, um, who are just starting out looking for a, a for-profit entity is, is an LLC, and that's what I typically recommend. So LLCs are great because they're, they're fairly easy to set up. Um, they have minimal compliance requirements with, with the state. Um, they're very flexible in terms of their management structure. So it's, it's really easy to bring on new partners or give out um, ownership interest. And most importantly, it, it provides the owner with that limited liability protection that, that they're looking for. So, you know, and that's, and that's really why most entrepreneurs start a business is, is for that liability protection. So, um, so those are the most popular ones. S-Corp is, is typically a tax designation. So it, it is possible to actually have an, an LLC as the legal entity, but, but take S-Corp as a tax designation. Um, but, you know, if you're going the for-profit route, then, then I'd typically recommend an LLC. Um, and, and if you're going the nonprofit route, then, then we can do that as well. Um, and I do also want to clarify, a, a lot of business owners think that and entrepreneurs think that sole proprietor is, is an actual business entity type, but it, it really doesn't provide you with any of that liability protection that, that you're looking for. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll hear entrepreneurs say, oh, I'm a, I'm a sole proprietor, but a sole proprietor is, um, it's really just yourself doing, doing business as yourself, right? You might, you might have a taxpayer ID number, an EIN number, but um, if you don't have that, that formal legal entity set up with the state, then you're not going to have that liability protection. So, you know, at that point, they should really think about getting an LLC. So at what point do you think at a financial threshold that somebody should go from like doing a DBA or, a, you know, a sole mm -hmm. proprietorship to then going to an LLC or going forward from there? At like what threshold yeah. should they start thinking about an LLC? Yeah, I, I, I don't really have a financial threshold. Um, you know, really, as soon as you're starting to, to make money or, or derive income from, you know, services or products that you're, you're providing and selling at that point, um, if you're entering in any sort of agreements with, with third parties, um, or, or you're starting to get clients of any, any sort at that point, it makes sense to really set up and, and formalize an entity. Um, you know, it should have its own bank account. You should set that up, um, make sure that that accounting and bookkeeping is done properly. But, um, but yeah, the sooner, the better. I mean, there's, there's depends on the state, but the, the annual requirements and filing fees for, for LLCs are, are, are very low. Yeah. So um, there's really no harm in, in setting one up sooner rather than later to get that protection in place. Got it. All right. And usually, um, I, I know this is going to sound like a stupid question, but I mm -hmm. know someone's going to ask it. Um, yeah. what, what liability protections do I get with an LLC? Like you're saying mm -hmm. you're from sole proprietorship to LLC. So what, what's the benefit do I get with that? Yeah, so the, the, the purpose of an LLC is that it's, it's, an, it's a legal entity that exists separate from you individually, right? So if, if you're doing business on your own um, and you don't have an LLC in place, then 
if there were a liability or a lawsuit or, or money damages or, or anything like that that arose out of that business, um, you personally would, would be on the hook for it. So if, if there were a lawsuit, you personally would be sued. And if, if there were damages from that lawsuit, um, you personally would again be on the hook for that, right? With an LLC, even if it's, even if it's just you doing business as um, the owner of the LLC, by having that LLC in place, um, it's the LLC's assets that are at risk. So if there were a lawsuit or, or damages or anything like that, it's, it's the LLC that's being sued. And worst case scenario, um, you know, whatever money the LLC has um, would, would be at risk, but it, it, it shields your personal assets from being at risk. So that way you don't have to worry about, you know, your personal bank accounts or your, your house or anything like that being at risk, um, that, that LLC exists as a separate entity from, from you individually. Good. Thanks. Thank you for explaining that. So, um, you know, you go on, some people go on LegalZoom, they get their LLC and LegalZoom doesn't tell them about an operating agreement or bylaws. Why is a bylaws or operating agreement so important for, for an LLC or for any corporation? Yeah, they're, they're really important. So what they are is they're, they're internal governance documents, um, for businesses. So, they're especially important if the business has multiple owners, but even if it's just a sole owner, it's, it's still a good idea to have those documents in place. Um, so really the, the documents, what they go into is they, they, they say who the owners are, what the ownership structure is. Um, they talk about allocations of profits and losses, how those are allocated. They talk about decision-making authority. So, um, you know, if, if you wanted to open a bank account or, uh, sign a contract or or anything like that. You should have a an operating agreement or bylaws in place that that clearly defines that you have the authority to do those things. Um, so it's it's really best practice to again get these get these documents in place as soon as you set up the entity. Um, we have clients that are you know existing business owners who have been doing business for ten years and and they don't have these documents and um, you know they might be okay, but we'll have an ownership dispute come up right and there's a dispute about which owner owns how much or whether the owner had the authority to act on behalf of the company. Um, those are type of things that are, are thought of and are addressed in the operating agreement. So if, if you don't have those documents, that's, that's where issues arise. Yeah. And sometimes it can end up, um, I've heard this in a legal sense where um, mm-hmm. you didn't have an ownership agreement. You go to court, the other opponent lawyer says, Hey, there's no operating agreement. So we can go after this person now financially exactly. directly. Yep. Got it. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, talk, going back to what I was talking about earlier with what's the purpose of an LLC, right? It's to have that that separate entity that exists from you individually and, and provide that liability protection. So part of what goes into that, if, if there ever were a lawsuit, is do they have an operating agreement in place, right? Do they have bylaws in place? Um, and if, if you don't have those documents in place or, or if you have them and, and it's really not customized for your business, then it makes it more likely that you, they can come after your personal assets. So, you know, it's really important to have those, those customized documents in place. Got it. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest things, and I learned this lesson very early on is mm-hmm. making sure that your contracts aren't just some boilerplate template that you download from online that you actually have a mm-hmm. way to look at it. What kind of contract should someone who's maybe in a service business or a product business, what kind of contract should they be thinking about and looking at for their business? And how, sure. how would you say about going about getting those? Yeah, so you really should have a, a written contract anytime that you're entering into a business relationship um, or, or any sort of agreement with a third party. So 
you know, a lot of people will do business depending on the, the industry, they'll do major, uh, business on a, a handshake agreement, right? Or, you know, I'll hear, oh, I didn't think I needed a formal contract because I trusted that person. And, and that's where issues arise. So, you know, it's important to have contracts from a, from a client perspective. So if, if you're, if you have clients that you're selling your services to or, or customers, you would want client facing contracts. So those type of things would address, you know, payment terms. Um, what's the scope of work that's being performed? Uh, confidentiality, how, how is that handled? Um, if there's a dispute, how is that handled? So, so there should be client facing agreements. Um, if the business has employees, there, there should absolutely be uh, employment documents in place or, or some businesses will use independent contractors, 1099s, right? They'll, they'll use subcontractors to perform the work. Mm -hmm. You should have agreements in place with all those subcontractors. And they would address a lot of the same things. You know, what are, what are the payment terms? Um, you know, what are, what are the duties of the employer or the contractor? Um, do they have any, any non-compete restrictions or non-disclosure restrictions? So those are the type of things that should go into any agreement. Um, and again, the, the, the sooner the better. I mean, if you, if you have a handshake agreement with someone or have a, a verbal agreement, <clears throat> those can sometimes be enforceable, but, you know, having a written contract is, is so much stronger and it, it really sets clear expectations for, for the business relationship. So it's, it's just a way of avoiding issues. Got it. So what if, what, what if somebody goes online and downloads like a boilerplate, like, ah, I'm doing a painting service I just downloaded yeah. a painting service, you know, this should be yeah. fine. I pop my company's name. And why is that not beneficial for them? Well, it, it could be, um, and it, it's better than nothing most of the time, but, um, but again, it's, it's typically not customized. Um, so there, there's going to be, because the business owner is not an attorney, they're not going to be thinking about certain things that an attorney would think about. Right. So, you know, they may think it captures everything. Um, oh, here's the, the work that I'm performing and, and here are the payment terms. I'm, I'm good to go. But, um, you know, what about indemnification or dispute resolution or governing law? Like those are things that, um, you know, they may be in a template version and, and, and it may end up protecting them and it may be fine. But again, having a, an attorney who's familiar with those type of contracts and, and can customize it for the business and the industry um, can, can really go a long way. But, but having something is, is definitely better than nothing. Got it. So would you recommend recommending them actually like maybe print something off and then bring it to someone like yourself and say, does this make sense? Does this protect me? If not, can you customize it so it can protect me? Yeah, that's, that's always a good idea. Um, so, so, you know, I, I do free consultations all the time. So a lot of times it'll, it'll be that where they, you know, they already have an agreement in place. They'll want me to do a quick review of it and I'm, I'm happy to do so. Um, other times it's, and, and sometimes it's, it's not a good agreement and I'll just have to kind of redo it from scratch, but, um, I could also pull things from that contract and, and kind of fill in the gaps where needed. So, um, you know, always happy to, to take a look at, at something. And again, something is better than nothing. Got it. So, you know, <laughs> this is a, a really interesting thing because I always tell people everyone has ideas, right? And there's no, ideas are everywhere, but execution's everything. But a yeah. lot of people always say, I don't want to start this business because I want to protect my my, my idea. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you're not a, um, yeah. an intellectual property lawyer, but what are mm -hmm. certain things people could do very in the maybe very early stage to protect their idea per se? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, we, I'm, I'm personally not an IP attorney, but we, we do have an IP attorney at my firm. Um, so we, we definitely deal with these issues and there's several different ways to, to protect um, IP depending on, on kind of what the business owner is looking to protect. But the three most common types that you hear about are, are trademarks, copyrights, and patents, right? So 
um, kind of on like a macro level, copyrights typically protect creative work. So if you think of like a piece of art, that's something that could be protected by copyright. Um, trademarks typically protect brand names and, and logos in connection with a specific uh, product or service. And then patents typically protect um, unique inventions. So, you know, getting any sort of those protection in place is, um, is obviously the, the, the strongest form of protection, but even, even before that business owners can do certain things to protect themselves. So, you know, kind of going back to the contracts again, having, um, having contracts in place, whether, you know, a non-disclosure agreement is, is really important, right? So if, if you have something that's, that's IP or that's proprietary and that you're, you're providing to a third party, um, you really should have them sign some sort of non-disclosure agreement, um, saying that they're not going to disclose that, that information. Um, so, so that's a start. And, you know, ultimately, if it makes sense, you can you can get a registration on you know that trademark or the patent or copyright as well. Got it. Um, and how long does a person have? So let's say they made their logo up on I don't know on Canva.com, mm-hmm. and how long do they have yeah. to like register their logo um, with the copyright yeah. office and, and have some sort of protection on that? Yeah, so they can you you can wait as long as you want, but um, you know the typically the protection doesn't take place until it's registered, and and by not registering it, you're running the risk of, of others using it. So, you know, if you don't have that registration and you, you haven't really been using it in commerce, then, you know, someone else could come in and, and they have a better idea and, and they have, um, and they get a registered trademark and, on it, then, then there could be a situation where, where you're out of luck. So, um, you know, another one of those things where the more that you use it and the more brand awareness that you, you gain from it, it's, you know, it becomes a better and better idea to, to get a registration on it. Got it. All right. So the next piece I want to go into there's again, there's a group of people in, uh, listening to this that are like now they're growing their business, right? They might have 1099 employees, virtual assistants. Mm-hmm. I use virtual assistants myself. What yeah. protections or what um, structure should we put in place to protect us against the employees mm-hmm. or 1099s or virtual assistants? Uh, is yeah. there things that a person should be thinking about before they make their first hire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I, I think the first step is kind of figuring out what the type of support that the business needs is and, and what that support looks like. So, you know, if you need, there's a, there's a distinction between employees and independent contractors that's really important. So, mm-hmm. you know, really the first question is, do you need someone who's going to be there every day and providing services for you for, for eight hours a day? Um, or is it, or is it just, you know, more of a per project thing where you, you really just need a little help from someone a few hours for this project, right? Um, and, that, and that's where the distinction comes in. So, you know, to, to kind of summarize that distinction, uh, companies have more, more control over their employees, right? They can set hours and, and um, require them to be there for certain periods of time and do training and things like that. Um, whereas on the other hand, with independent contractors, they're, they're more on a per project basis. So the, the contractor will come in, perform a few hours of work and then send an invoice to the company. So independent contractors are, are cheaper um, from a company perspective, but it also means that, that the company has less control over their means of work, right? Mm-hmm. So it, you know, the first step is kind of determining whether it's appropriate to have a, an independent contractor relationship or an employee relationship. And then based on that, you would, um, yeah, put, you know, put the right documents in place. So you know, the, the baseline is having like an independent contractor agreement again, where there's a, an agreement and an understanding between the, the company and the independent contractor. Um, if it's an employee relationship, then there's a, you know, kind of a whole set of documents to put in place for, 
for onboarding employees. But um, yeah, as soon as as soon as someone knows they need that support, they they should talk to an attorney and, and start to get those um, procedures in place. Got it. And and there's always something you should you should put in place between you and the employees, right? Or yes. virtual yep. company, yeah. There, there should be, yeah. So um, typically in an employment relationship, the, the company is going to provide the, you know, the document, uh, the contract. Um, in an independent contractor relationship, it, it could really be either way. So sometimes the independent contractor agreement might provide it to the company as like a, as like a service agreement, right? Um, and then the flip side of that would be if the company is hiring a contractor, they would, they would provide them with a contractor agreement. But um, regardless, those yeah, those those terms should be memorialized somewhere in writing, and and that just avoids issues. Got it. So you've been a lawyer for years upon years now. So, what are some of the common common mistakes you see people make in the very early stages? Because a lot of the audience listening to this is um, is it very much in the early stages or in the beginning stages of their entrepreneurial journey. So, what's some right. of the the mistakes that you've seen them make, and how could they can avoid that? Sure. Um, Trying to, I think, trying to do too much themselves, right? Um, and obviously, you're, you know, you're kind of bootstrapping at the beginning. You wanna, you wanna keep costs low, so you're, tr- you're trying to do a lot of different things. You're wearing a lot of different hats, but that can, you know, that can, that can lead to issues. So, I, you know, I think trying to, to get a good team in place, a good support team from, from the start is, is super important. Um, you know, business owners are, are really great at, at doing what they do, which is typically providing a, a service to a client, but when they try to do too much on their own, that's, that's when they start to run into issues. So, you know, again, if you, um, if you have a really good attorney on your team or a really good accountant, um, make sure you get insurance in place, bookkeeping, banking, things like that. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it sounds like a lot and it, you know, and it, it's, it can add up at the beginning in terms of startup costs, but, um, I really think that the value that you're, you're providing, the value that you're receiving and the peace of mind that you're getting by having those things in place goes, you know, it goes way longer than trying to do things on your own for a super long time and, and um, you know, running into potential liability issues by doing so. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because I remember my first business, um, <laughs> my first cleaning company having a, uh, <laughs> having not an accountant, not having any lawyers yeah. in place, not having anything. And then mm-hmm. uh, our website was built and there was an image that was on there from like, I guess, Getty Images or something. And we got like a cease <laughs> yeah. and desist letter. And I was like, oh, oh really? my God, yeah. what is this? Yeah. Um, and that's when we had to, go, had to go find a lawyer and have and then we eventually found a good accountant and like you said it it pays it's it's tough thing to do up front but it pays in the long run tremendously just having a lawyer i mean or an accountant just looking at just those irs papers and they're like oh this is nothing just answer it this way we'll do it for you right um will make so much of a difference and it helps you focus on what you do best which is provide your business and everything else on the back end of your business gets exactly. taken care of by a team. All right. So exactly. if the, if anyone in the audience wants to reach out to you, they want a consultation, they have more questions, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our firm is called Company Council LLC. So our website is www.companycouncil.law, L-A-W. Um, my name again is John Thielen. I'm sure Jerome will, will put my name up, um, but you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I can provide you my, my email as well and, and my number. So like I said, I'm always happy to do free consultations. Um, you know, I think attorneys sometimes get a bad rap and, you know, sometimes rightfully so for, for trying to nickel and dime you on, on, you know, hourly rates. Right. But, um, most of what we do is, is not structured that way. So 
happy to um, to, to talk to business owners and learn more about them and, and see how I can help. Got it. So you can do more like an a la carte thing based on what they need. You help them based on that, not on like, hey, you're on retainer now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. A la carte, um, you know, flat fee. A lot of what we do is flat fee for like LLC formations, right? So that's a uh, typically a flat fee and it's, it's got all the services bundled into that and includes includes all my time as well. So if they have a question and it turns into an hour phone call, you know, they're not going to be hit with a bill that, that they didn't expect. It's, it's all built in that fee. Got it. All right. So I'll put all of John's information in the description. I'll link everything up his website. It's cool if I put your, your email and your phone number. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I'll yeah, put sure the thing. email and phone number so you can reach out to John if you have more questions. Um, thanks again, John, for being on the show and answering some of the basic questions that the audience had. Um, hopefully, if they have more questions, I'll bring you along as we go along and we can kind of grow together. Awesome. Here. All right. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me, Jerome. Appreciate it. Take care, man. And just like that, guys, another illustrious episode is in the can. And man, I am so happy to bring you guys this information. I'm bringing you guys information I wish someone would have told me when I first started my first company. And now that you guys are armed with the information, you also can make better decisions on the directions you go. Instead of going to LegalZoom, make sure you guys reach out to John. He can definitely handle a lot of your business increase and his prices and his rates are pretty good. And it's like, again, it's like that flat fee um, that they do have for certain stuff. And if you're a bigger operation and you need a little bit more help, he's a great lawyer and can help you out with a ton of those things. So go ahead, hit him up. Uh, all his information is in the description down below. Um, and definitely go contact John because he'll help you out tremendously. He has with me so many times. So that's it, guys. See you guys next week. Peace. Boom, 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 boom.